1: It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Franelli. I'm Chip Patterson. We've got the college football playoff matchups set in the Cotton Bowl in the home of the Dallas Cowboys. We will have Alabama, the number one seed, taking on Cincinnati, the number four seed. Uh, Crimson Tide early 13.5, 14-point favorites, 57.5 or so as you're over-under. Uh, I believe that game will kick off first if they move, as tra- tradition. Uh, the evening <laughs> slate will be the Orange Bowl, and that will have Georgia, uh, which is the number... Michigan, which is the number two seed, uh, going up against Georgia, which is the number three seed. Uh, Georgia about a seven point favorite or so, and a unders in the forties or your shorties uh, uh, right there around 43 and a half or so. So the, the final four is set. We've got a lot more to get to. And later in the day, we'll find out more about the new year six. We'll find out more about the bowl games. Remember Mondays upon further review, a big portion of it is going to be pointing your attention to the very best bowl matchups in this bowl season. So with Alabama and Cincinnati in the cotton with Michigan and Georgia in the orange, what do we think about the top four from the selection committee?
1: So much drama! Like wow, I had no idea what the top four was going to be after yesterday. It's crazy to see what they came up. No, um, they're interesting games, and I think it's I think it's the right four, and I don't really think there's much debate about that. I think you could nitpick who's two and who's three if you really want to. Hell, you can nitpick who's four because there's one undefeated team in the in the playoff, and they're the lowest ranked of the four. So. Okay it's like you can nitpick it, but I'm good with it. I think these are going to be interesting games. And bud, like we talked about last night, like Cincinnati's corners might not be the worst matchup against Alabama's receivers. Not that there's a good matchup against Alabama's receivers.
2: If you guys waited around for the playoff committee to announce this and you didn't just watch us live last night or watch us on YouTube at any point this morning or (laughs) listen to us, we, we, it was pretty obvious. Um, I think this is cool that a G five team finally got in. Uh, I think it's a bit disingenuous how they they addressed it on the show, talking about oh, what about the glass ceiling? I'm like, well, you kind of needed mm-hmm. the that have an absolute inside straight draw hit here uh, with figuring out who the number five team would would likely be, and then schedule them years in advance, and then beat them, uh, which is pretty pretty solid. And then also have you know a, a two loss, Pac twelve champion, a, a, a you know not not a contending ACC champion. A two loss Big 12 champion, but and also, you know, a, a two loss uh, runner up Big 10 team. I think it's cool they got in. I'm excited to watch these games. The one thing I, I, I don't want to be like I'm riding for the G5 here, but I don't want if Bama does smoke Cincinnati and we'll have plenty yeah. of time to preview this stuff. And I think it is possible they do because you just don't see that level of size and athleticism combined in that league consistently enough and Bama looks like it's coming together pretty well, I don't want to hear like Cincinnati didn't belong. Mm-hmm. The semifinals are almost always blowouts. We have our columns written and then wait, for the, wait around for another hour because they, they, they put a million commercials in this stuff to, to fire them off and just insert the final score. These are usually over by the half. Uh, so, guys, I, I don't think Cincinnati belongs any less than the other team does. It's not like they're 20th in my power ratings and, and got up there. You know, they're, they're a worthy team.
1: Hell, I would say Cincinnati deserves it more than anybody because they haven't lost <laughs> like so, everybody
0: else has lost. The other piece that is going to be a little misleading in terms of like hope trafficking, um, you're supposed to look at Cincinnati only within the context of what they've done this season, but it is impossible not to look at this Cincinnati team and not think that they're 22-1, not think that the you know nine-win season a year ago, three-point loss to Georgia, then going 13-0 this season, win against Notre Dame. The quarterback has still been the same. Sauce Gardner's still been there. Kobe Bryant's still been there. Uh, Bud, as as Bud Elliott has mentioned, and as listeners have reminded us, last year's Cincinnati team was better. <laughs> the Bud Elliott Bearcats. Not everybody agrees. The, the Bud Elliott agree. Agree. Bearcats take so that last year's team was better, but I think that my point is, the personnel is experienced, a.k.a. it's been a part of this success. And that's why I think if you are a group of five team that is hoping to be able to match what Cincinnati has accomplished, and if you're a coach who thinks that you can do that, that's a more realistic scenario. It's not we just need to go 13-0 and and have a Power 5 win. It probably also means the year before you were knocking on the door, you were in the new year six, you were playing against the best teams and one of the best teams in the country on the biggest stage So Cincinnati's the most deserving. I like the way that you said that, Tom. And they have looked like one of the best teams at times, kind of as we said last night. You know what my actual like sort of wrinkle my brow moment was with uh, the release of the top six? It was Ohio State at number six because I wonder if the Buckeyes had beaten Oregon but lost to Michigan... Is this a two SEC, two Big Ten college football playoff? Yes. That's yeah. what I think, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think clearly the committee really likes Ohio State. And when you, like, I know that there's some people probably going to be like, well, Ohio State should be ranked ahead of Baylor. And again, there's arguments for both. It's just I think that if you look at Ohio State's losses, they were Oregon and Michigan. Michigan's the number two team. We don't know where Oregon's going to be yet, but it played for a Pac-12 title where – as good as Baylor was, as good as Baylor was at the end of the year and some of those wins it had, it also did lose to TCU. And I think that's probably kind of a tiebreaker when they were looking at those two.
0: Mm. That would be uh, that would have been very disappointing for Cincinnati. Though shout out to Cincinnati. You're the best team in Ohio.
1: Listen, I, I'm happy Cincinnati got in. And like I said, I think it's the most deserving. But I think if Oklahoma State wins yesterday in like a convincing fashion, I think there's a very good chance that Oklahoma State's in over Cincinnati right now.
0: Mm. So that's congratulations. This is the set of circumstances that is required for Tom Fernelli to lose his 100 to one bet. Which I don't I know if you're robbed. watching on HQ. Just got listen, Danny. Uh, D- Danny's just airing all of our dirty laundry on the large. Like we have an amazing reach with the Cover Three podcast, but I mean CBS Sports HQ just like global, all over the place. Everyone's watching it, especially on a Sunday. And Danny's like, you guys should see what we're texting about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, yeah, Danny still hasn't paid me for the bet that I won. It's funny. When, when I win a bet, I say, just buy me beers. When Danny wins the bet, he wants it in cash. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Oklahoma State would have been in over Cincinnati. Okay. I, I, I do disagree on that. I, Oklahoma State is not a name brand. They're not going to be better for ratings. I also think that finally putting Cincinnati in, Helps to relieve some of the uh, antitrust claims, right? That, like, hey, th- th- this is rigged. Like, they're, they're easily willing to sacrifice Oklahoma State getting in for Cincinnati, in my opinion, right? In fact, I think Cincinnati will do better ratings than Oklahoma State because of the intrigue of it being a G5 program, as opposed to, God, this year really didn't have that many great teams, right? I guess Oklahoma State in there. So I, I think they would have left Cincinnati in uh, because the, the margins are close enough. You know what else this could do? This could help lead to expansion quicker
1: in the sense that now these conferences are all going to look and say, oh, crap, they're letting group of five teams in. So we might not, you know, we might lose more spots because this does set a precedent. Like if an American team goes 13 and 0 next season, it has the same exact season, year Cincinnati just had. Can they leave them out after doing this? So it's, it could be like a more of a, a catalyst to be like, all right, we need to expand to make sure we get our teams in there or, just like the Big 12 have any legal right, Bud, you're the lawyer. Does the Big 12 have any, have any legal rights to Cincinnati's playoff money for this?
0: I, ooh. <laughs> That's not a good question.
2: <laughs> I don't know.
0: No.
1: No, I
2: don't,
1: but No. That's well, hilarious. That's what the lawsuit. argument is on the
2: fly.
0: Yeah. File
1: a lawsuit and hope they settle.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, this, I, I was going to say, like, you've already, because of, Conk. because of exit fees and you know I'm I'm sure that everybody wants to hear about exit fees right now but because of the exit fees and exit fee negotiations which include trying to figure out what are we going to do with old media rights payments and future media rights payments like I think that that's part of the Maryland deal where it took a couple years of being in the Big 10 before Maryland was even getting the full Big 10 check because to be able to leave the ACC and land in the Big 10 when the Big 10 wanted they went to court. They like There was like one court, uh, one case or suit filed in Maryland, one filed in Greensboro. And the, the end result was Maryland had to break off some of its check and still be able to send it back to the ACC every year.
1: Yeah, this is this is one of those things where I knew at the time and then I quickly released the memory because it was no longer pertinent to me. But I'm not entirely convinced Maryland's getting a full share yet. Still? It, it still might only be getting a partial share.
0: Yeah, so that's I think that when we talk about like whatever's earned for the American Athletic Conference or via Cincinnati, I'm sure that is that could be used uh, as a, a nice little sum of money to help Cincinnati get what get what it wants, right? I mean, hey, that's what's it? You get that tax refund check now? All of a sudden, we can start talking about some of those home improvement projects. Like this is this is a nice little tax refund check uh, for uh, for Cincinnati for making the college football playoff. Have you all gone through uh, to like just? Off the top of your head, think that who who you're going to pick straight up, or even like betting angles uh, against the spread. Like you said, got plenty of time to do this. Um, Just sort of like your your snap judgment on what you think is going to happen.
1: I think.
2: Yeah, go. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, you go. Um, I think both numbers are fairly good. To be honest, I think Cincinnati can do some things that make Bama a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if Cincinnati can hold up along the lines of scrimmage especially with how Bama looked to be improved <clears throat> up front, you know, against Georgia. The other one is more interesting to me. I think the numbers say if this keeps going up to to fire on Michigan, uh, both defenses are, are are really pretty good. However, Michigan really is a team that wants to pound the football and that is not effective against Georgia by anybody. So this is likely going to be mostly on the arm of the Michigan quarterbacks. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I
1: I think Alabama's probably going to beat Cincinnati. I, I feel like that's, wh- whether it's a blowout or not, I don't know. I think it could be a blowout. I think it could be surprisingly close, depending on how the Bearcats' defense holds up. But I think we're looking at a situation where the most likely outcome is going to be the Alabama-Georgia rematch. I know. And- and
2: if that happens, probably leaning Alabama this time, because it's more feel- likely than any other outcome, right, Tom? Yeah, like, like you would take that over the field of any other possible outcomes.
1: Yeah, I, I think the yeah, biggest time uh,
2: like the one game where I feel like there's less clarity, and even
1: then, I don't feel like it's super cloudy. I think Michigan can muck it up with Georgia. I I don't know if that – because I do think that while Michigan is a team that likes to run the ball, they have shown the ability to move the ball vertically in the passing game, which maybe they'll be able to do to better effect against, you know, Georgia. But I just – I don't know if defensively – like, they're really good. It's just – I don't – if Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo can – if you could slow them down a bit, and I think Georgia's got a good offensive line that is capable of doing it, then I – don't know how they hold up the rest of that game against that team, but we've also seen like this is if Georgia just wants to run the ball down their throat too, which is their preferred style of play. This is a game that's going to be hard for either team to pull away from. So if anything stupid happens or there's just an unlucky balance, I do feel like that one could go a number of different ways. But I, I do think we're due for a rematch.
0: Rematch is what I would pick. Uh, is what I just did pick. They're like, hey, what do you think? Who's going to win it? I was like, ah, Georgia and Alabama, but. I think that right now, in this very moment, and I have plenty of time to change my mind, I think I want Michigan to win. I think. I
1: want, just for the wouldn't it be hilarious principle, I would love a Michigan-Cincinnati title game.
0: That would be hilarious. Wouldn't it be hilarious? Listen, the a Cincinnati... bunch of
1: Buckeye fans suddenly buying Cincinnati hats and jerseys and stuff.
0: <laughs> but I, I really fear for the Alabama-Cincinnati matchup just because the I just think that the game planning in that Alabama like staff room, when you're looking at the tape of Cincinnati, I don't think that Alec, like Alec Pierce, for as great as he looks mowing a lawn with no shirt on, and you know the the rest of those, you know Leonard Taylor at the tight end position. Um, let's see who who else. Like for everybody in, I think Tyler Scott is a, another pretty good wide receiver. I could be messing up that name. I just don't think. That the, the skill position talents really going to intimidate uh, Alabama defensively, where they're looking at it and they, they're really going to feel stressed. I think that they can sell out on trying to make sure that Jerome Ford, who by the way, used to play at Alabama, mm-hmm. doesn't end up you know grinding them out. And I think that Cincinnati's offensive line, uh, against an Alabama defensive front that we have not considered plus value compared to its peers in the SEC, or at least not a uh, top tier in the sec i think that 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 same group could end up uh, really causing some problems against cincinnati's offensive front i do think that without um without john mechie the uh cincinnati defensive backs and the cincinnati secondary give cincinnati the best chance possible but i'm a little bit like fearful for a uh the the snoozer Alabama puts them at arm's length and just cruises it and squeezes the life out of them you just you look out there and it's like the Washington game all over again where Jake Browning's just never going to get a first down you know it's just they're they're faster than them they're able to get good closing speed um that's the result that i probably have the the most confidence in is i i kind of think Alabama's going to roll in that game
1: it could i mean cuz that was the one thing about Kind of, it wasn't talked about much, and we didn't really talk about it last night on the reaction pod. Is that in that game, as great as Alabama looked, like there was so much talk about Will Anderson as a Heisman, you know, candidate, Heisman finalist, but Will Anderson did not really have much of an impact in that game. And I think that Georgia's offensive line deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't know if Cincinnati's offensive line is capable of that same kind of performance. And that's why I think that, yeah, like Alabama's defense could eat.
0: Um, let me add a question here because it's it it sort of started creeping to my mind, and especially with the absence of John Mechie. Um, I wonder if and Bud, like, please tell me who we should be having an eye on because it was Jacory Brooks who caught the winner. Yeah, I guess against Auburn. Um, we remember from all the way back in the uh, the spring game, Jai Hall had an absolutely bananas. Jacory caught
2: the ball to send him to overtime. Uh, game tying Me- Mechie, I believe, caught the ball to win it over overtime.
0: But I wonder if, and this is something that we've seen um, at Alabama. It's something that I've seen at Clemson. Uh, there's just two teams that I've experienced covering here in the college football playoff era. The freshman can make a leap in this time between the end of the season and the college football playoff or in the bowl games. If John Mechie's out, you know, how do you feel about, the, those freshman wide receivers, you know, who are some of the other young players uh, for an Alabama or even maybe for a Georgia that you think could end up really starting to flash in this moment? Like I believe, I think I bl- remember Justin Ross light bulb went off for him his freshman year. And it was in, in the end of the season, you saw him really be dominant in the 2018 college football playoff as they went on to win the national championship. Uh, I, I, I've mentioned those wide receivers because of John Mechie, but I understand the concept can spread to all positions. Who are some of those rookies that you think might be able to have an opportunity, uh, to, to really show out and, and follow that same path? Sure. So with,
2: with, with John Mechie, uh, assumedly, I, I know, I think it was, uh, not McMurphy, but maybe Slabaugh said that Bama fears that the torn ACL, um, Bama signed just an absolutely tremendous class of receivers this past year. Um, a Jai Hall might have been the most talented, but obviously a lot of, you know, just inability to get out of his own way stuff that happened in high school. And Bama went ahead and took a chance on him anyway. That seems to have continued there at Alabama. Uh, but Brooks is, is a really, really good player. Uh, I've seen Ja'Cory since he was, I think, in seventh grade. I remember the South Florida Express, seven on coaches telling me like, hey, go watch our youth game. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch a youth game. <laughs> right. Uh, and I finally did because of him against Fred Davis, the, the five-star corner Who signed with Clemson and then Miles Brooks, who signed with, I think, the Hokies? Pretty cool, pretty cool matchup for seventh graders. And he ended up playing varsity. Anyway, like he just kept getting better. He was that biggest, fastest kid as a seventh grader who didn't peak too early. Jacori could get ready. I think Jojo Earl is another name to watch. They're really dynamic guy in the slot. Uh, The third one I would throw out, obviously, is Holden. Um, It's Bama. I'm extremely confident that they will get one of these guys ready with a month to prep. Like, Very confident to answer your question, Chip. I I think they will definitely have somebody ready. I think the biggest upset is that there's a guy named Jojo Earl, and he's not a NASCAR driver. That's a good point. He's also from Texas. So with the semifinal being played in Texas, be kind of cool for him to show out on his home turf.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Okay. Anything there's a there's a couple other headlines uh throughout college football that while we're here gathered, I figured we'd go ahead and and start to break down. But is there anything else from the uh, the playoff top six that stands out to you?
1: Illinois was hosed. No team finished hotter than the Illini. They deserved a shot.
0: I mean, if we're gonna talk about recent form, who's mm-hmm. better? Yeah.
1: How many how many wins at Penn State did Cincinnati have? None.
0: I mm-hmm. mean mm-hmm. Being-
1: Wow, Cincinnati had one road win over a ranked team. Illinois had two, but you mm-hmm. know, I, I see how it is. Illinois is not the brand name like the Bearcats are.
0: Mm. All right, so we've got on the – it does seem like things are settling on the coaching carousel. Um, multiple reports indicating that Oklahoma is nearing a deal with Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables. There are some other pieces to this uh, that are being widely reported, including the potential of Brent Venables trying to lure away uh, Ole Miss offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby to come run the offense in Norman. Uh, We also have some reports that Mario Cristobal uh, could be on his way out of Oregon. Uh, We can start either one of these. You you want to start with Brent or Mario? I feel like
1: Oklahoma seems based on who's tweeting in the reports further along. So we should probably start there.
0: Okay. So it it is Oklahoma representatives on their way to Clemson right now, flight track their asses (laughs) as they land in Greenville and then then get in the car to be able to head to wherever uh, the Venables family is. Brent Venables was one of the first names out the gate. I will admit I was probably too dismissive of the chances that he was going to end up being the selection. I saw uh, Alan Kenny, blatant Homerism uh, on Twitter. If you want to follow him, he's been a long time, uh, Oklahoma writer and somebody whose opinion always thinks very interesting. And he said, no inside information here, but the, I, what his sense was is that the Brent Venables hire is probably paired with keeping some of the current skeleton staff in place. I mean, it wasn't like a coach got fired and you need to clean house. A coach left, took a couple assistants with them. But if you still have good assistants that are doing good work and want to stay committed to the program, then the Brent Venables hire, somebody who uh, you know, loves the university, has, has some history there, you might be able to you know, pair him up with some of that same staff and be able to keep continuity going. The hire of Brent Venables, you know, he suggested, and I think it's a pretty uh, interesting observation to explore is a move to keep continuity instead of trying to totally blow it up, start over, bring in a new head coach, allow him to hire all of his same assistants. If you think that you like the infrastructure around that program, and if you want to keep it in place, then maybe this Brent Venables hire is is a piece that can get you there.
1: It's not a sexy hire. No. It's... I feel like this is this is if you look at Oklahoma's history of hiring coaches, this is, tends to be what they do. They they get coordinators, big name coordinators, or Lincoln Riley wasn't a big name, but he became Oklahoma's offensive coordinator before he became the job, so I guess it still counts. But like, it's kind of like the Bob Stoops plan. Bob Stoops was the defensive coordinator at Florida. It was a team that was competing, you know, from the SEC, competing for national titles, was a terrific defense. They bring him to Oklahoma. Brent Venables, defensive coordinator at Clemson, team that's competing and winning national titles, routinely has some of the best defenses in the country. And obviously he has the Oklahoma ties. So it feels like it's from that same playbook. And hey, if it works out as successfully as the Bob Stoops hire did, I think Oklahoma will be happy. So I think there's a lot of reasons it makes sense. But while Oklahoma fans are probably not going to want to hear this part, the more fascinating part of this move to me is be what happens with Clemson. Because when you think about Dabo's time at Clemson and what he's built that program into, like the narrative around it was always Dabo's the great CEO and he's had excellent coordinators who he's allowed to do the job and Clemson has paid those coordinators well to make sure that they stuck around. But the last few years, Jeff Scott left for the South Florida job. Now, if Brent Venables is leaving for the Oklahoma job and who knows how much longer Tony Elliott's going to stick around, especially if that Virginia job's open, maybe that's something that's attractive to them. I'm more interested in seeing what happens with Clemson from this point forward because I still think Oklahoma is probably going to be good, but it's going to be an interesting situation when they move to the SEC. But with the ACC, where there's so much more wiggle room right now and Clemson's coming off what down season compared to their recent standards, that's far more interesting to me.
2: I'm very interested in this for, from a couple angles. Number one, uh, if the reports are true that, that he'll get Jeff Levy from old Miss, uh, this very much – Kind of copies what Oklahoma did mm-hmm. back in 2000. If you read Bob Stoop's book, he talks about I wanted to hire a defensive coordinator who drove me or an offensive coordinator rather, who drove me nuts when I was the DC at Florida. And that guy was named Mike Leach. He was the OC at Kentucky and he took him with him to Oklahoma. They won a title two years later. Um, obviously, levying what Ole Miss does is very frustrating to a lot of defensive coordinators. And, and I'm sure that, uh, that Venables probably hates defending it. He also got a got a piece of playing it, uh, th- three years ago when Kendall Bryles was the OC for the one year there in Tallahassee. Now they still whipped him, but it, I'm sure he didn't like prepping because of of how you know, how unique that system is. It's a little less unique in the Big Twelve, but there's not that you know, there's a lot of teams that run raid, but not quite so much the the Baylor stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Who who else will get to fill out his staff? I don't know. The guy's a pretty proven coach. He is a good recruiter. I think he'll probably do well there, but again, coaching hires are crapshoot no matter how good you think they are typically. And as Tom mentioned, if everybody's operating at peak efficiency and there's no guarantee that they will be, what's Oklahoma's roster ceiling in in the new SEC? Fifth, if they really kill it on the recruiting trail, that is not the position they're normally in. And there will be some a time period where fans and, and boosters and everybody else needs to adjust expectations uh, I, I would think just based on your access to talent in that league on the Clemson side. I'm also very interested in this because there are a lot of reports out there that Dan Radakovich is likely to accept the Miami job. Did you guys know he's an alum? I, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that he, a
0: business school alum. Okay. A business
2: school. So I think wow. he graduated from, uh, Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, he'll have the chance to make the football hire, the baseball hire and the, uh, Likely the basketball hire there because Larinaga is still awesome, but pretty pretty up there in age. No longer a spring chicken. Yeah. Tony Elliott is very in the mix for the Virginia job, as our Chris Hummer of Twenty Four Seven Sports reported this morning. When's the last time Dabo had to go outside and 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 make a major hire? One of their hallmarks of that program has been stability. Now you're going to have a new AD who didn't hire Dabo, but will very very much be you know incentivized and probably could be an in house hire as well uh, to keep him as, as they will. But I'm interested in what Dabo does at the coordinator spots if he happens to lose both of his guys.
0: I, I think it is the most fascinating time for Clemson football, undoubtedly. Um, the transfer portal—Are you going to use it or not? What do you think about it, Dabo? When are you going to like, like, come up to speed with the transfer portal? Like, forget your relationship with the transfer portal. What, what is Dabo's current relationships with other coaches right now? You know, like, what's who is on Dabo's shortlist to call? It's been all about the Clemson family. It's all been about those Wednesday nights at the facility when it's all the coaches and all of their families and all their kids eating with the players, everyone in together. It's been about Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott, Brent Venables, kids playing on the team. Like if and like like you said the Virginia and Duke are, you know, jobs where Tony Elliott could land, if you all of a sudden are having to replace both of your coordinators and there's no athletic director in town. I can't tell if Dabo's about to become the most powerful person or whether the, this is all going to be like uh, like the beginning of some turning point, right? Some turning point in the Dabo-Sweeney-Clemson tenure because I, part of me wants to say that Dabo has the potential to just like become just the super alpha. Like the, this is just he, he now, that, that man of shorter stature, just it just grows uh almost in a comic book style manner or a video game style manner because I think his relationship with Jim Clements, university president, is pretty good, and that relationship I believe has allowed for a lot of the alignment that we talk about. Dan Radakovich has also uh, been you know pretty successful, but he's also somebody who's very you know in the industry in terms you know he was at georgia tech before he was at clemson he was at uh, lsu before he was at georgia tech like this is you know, someone who is probably going to look for an opportunity where he can go and challenge himself professionally not necessarily a lifer at any one school where they land not surprised that he's going to be on the move but for the for the tigers football program how long can the old blueprint work because now you're going to have to s- take some pieces out of the machine and replace them with new ones. And I got to imagine there's going to be some friction and either they're going to be better for it, having to modernize and get over this hump, or it's going to end up, uh, you know, making it very difficult to recapture the success of the last couple of years.
2: Chip, I'm incredibly impressed by the way, with other Carolina news and your professionalism during this podcast, the Panthers have also fired Joe Brady. Wow. On a Sunday, like that's,
0: uh, they're, they're off. Oh, that's right. We talked yeah, about t- yeah, I told you on the side, I was like, hey, Monday press conference isn't going well. Everyone did, seems really pissed off right now in the building, so was, we'll see what happens.
1: Was Joe Brady the one who traded for Sam Darnold and then signed a washed-up Cam Newton?
0: I think that would be the owner, David Tepper.
2: Oh, did he Did he injure Christian McCaffrey? Um. um so, to answer your Clemson question, Chip, they have recruited very well, but they have very much focused on fit. They don't really oversign very much. You guys already mentioned they don't really hit the transfer portal. I do expect that to change some. I don't think they're going to be like transfer portal mavens, but you, you can't tell me that you can't find like a center with decent grades who wants to play as part of the Clemson family. I know they have higher academic standards than we might uh, we might realize, but I do think their hit rate in recruiting. And I kind of stopped saying this because I said it for like five or six years in a row. It maybe look like an idiot each time. I just should have kept doubling down. I think their hit rate in recruiting was a little bit unsustainable. Like They recruited extremely well, but not on that Bama-Georgia level as far as, in our opinion, of their players, but yet they were getting Bama-Georgia-level results consistently. And that's just extremely hard to sustain like that level of outlier performance over that period of time. A lot of it was probably quarterback-driven and incredible staff chemistry. So very interested to see what they do now.
1: And I also think, too, it's like you have to use the transfer portal these days. It's not like it was – like even a decade ago, and it's like transfers was like a dirty word. It's like, oh, you don't want to fill your program with transfers. It's no way to win. It's like I feel like in this day and age with the portal, you're doing yourself a disservice if you aren't using it to your advantage.
0: Where would Joe Brady land that would make sense in college football if he wanted to return to college football?
1: Maybe he's going to end up being Brent Venables' his offensive coordinator
0: at Oklahoma. Or Ole Misses if Jeff Levy leaves or, or okay, Davos has,
1: has Brian Kelly hired an offensive
0: coordinator yet?
1: I know no, Joe Brady's name is, is still
0: kind of big at LSU. And Tommy.
1: Uh, Tommy Reese is staying in Notre
0: Dame. Tommy's staying. Just,
1: mm. Although I don't, know if, honestly, I don't know if Brian Kelly would want Joe Brady because the second they lose a game they're not supposed to lose, people will say that Joe Brady should be the head coach and fire Brian
2: Kelly.
0: Mm. This is true. What if Joe Brady wants Oregon? Or UCLA. Or Virginia. Or, or Virginia. Virginia. I
1: don't know. That's the thing. I don't know if, do you think he's his name is big enough where he's going to be able to step into a Power 5 head coaching job right away? Or do you think that he's going to have to do a coordinator role or a G5 role? I actually don't know. That's yeah, a, that's,
2: it's a weird situation. I don't know how he's going to be viewed at this point. I mean, they were so good, but they also had so much talent on that team. I mean, who's the last coordinator to basically get his first coordinator gig, have it be like just one of the most unreal, talented units of all time? He also wasn't the coordinator. Job? Yeah, he wasn't. It was it was the, technically or. not. Yeah. Technically not. Look, look what they ran when uh, when he left. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was the quote-unquote coordinator was still there.
0: I was also told that his, uh, it was the way, like even specifically within the offensive staff, it was, he was third down in red zone. It's like Insminger gets final call. On first downs, second downs, you know anything between the twenties, and then when you get inside the red zone, uh, when you get inside, what are you looking at, Bud?
2: The amazing uh, pick that Jamar Chase just gave to Cincinnati. Burrow hits him. Burrow hits him in stride, or just gave to the Chargers. Burrow hits him in stride for a wide open touchdown, and he goes like this over the shoulder and bobbles it backwards to the DB. Sorry. Mm. He's on he, the fantasy team. That screwed me.
0: He felt oh. he felt the Joe Brady reverberations. He was like, No, Although I'm also on Chargers plus three, so it helps me. Um, there, there's right. no, we don't you we guys, don't need to spend too junkies. much time here on the cover three podcast breaking down Tom's card.
2: We, NFL Sundays are a swing, should, baby. <laughs> should we pivot to uh to Miami?
0: Yes. All right. because All it's right. super, super awkward right now. Mm-hmm. Um here's here's how awkward it is. Wow, there are tons of reports. Uh, out about Manny Diaz um, being replaced by Mario Cristobal. Manny Diaz is currently out recruiting today for Miami. Meanwhile, Mario Cristobal is currently in the home of a recruit in Southern California, according to Matt Prim of 24 seven sports. And he's has multiple in-home visits with commits and targets in the Southern California area, all lined up today. So, Mario Cristobal is currently recruiting today for Oregon. Manny Diaz is currently recruiting for Miami. As all of this news is springing everywhere, um, you know it is being reported that no decision has been made. Oregon has a contract extension. Miami's coming after it. Miami doesn't want a, a chips reading of the situation. Very, very clear. Chip's reading the situation. Miami doesn't want to fire Manny until Mario says yes, because then they'd be afraid of what to do if Mario says no, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a horrible position for Manny Diaz first, mm-hmm. but also for the Miami Hurricanes.
1: It's awkward as hell. Because like if, if Mario says no and stays at Oregon and gets that giant new contract, and like what do you do if you're Manny Diaz? <laughs> like, you know that they just tried they're actively and not very secretively trying to find your replacement. So it's like, oh great, cool. And I've got a new AD coming. It's like if you're Manny Diaz, hell. I joked around about this on Twitter and most Miami fans said they'd be okay with it. But like if you're Manny Diaz, are you gauging interest in any other power five jobs right now? Yes.
2: I don't know if he's, if he's going to get another power five job uh, right now, but I think what you do if you're Manny Diaz is you keep recruiting. Like you guys know coaches, their confidence is Blind? unbelievably high and many times unjustified. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it, they believe that, that they are always one player, one season from turning things around. And if Miami botches the Mario thing, and, and I don't think they will, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be done. But who knows? Uh, you better be recruiting out there. And then how do, you, how do you turn around the narrative? I think that one is actually uh, easy to say, maybe not easy to do. You just say, look, guys, I told you it was all media noise. I was right. I've stayed on message the entire time. I said I was going to be the head coach at Miami and, and all that other stuff was nonsense and that they fired the AD because I won that power struggle and I did, and I'm still here. So on the off chance Miami botches this, I think that's the message. I mean, what what would be the point of not going to recruit today? I guess pride. It is a little bit embarrassing that like Miami is actively out there negotiating with a new coach until they can fire you. But it also is a really bad look to your next employer that, Hey, it looked like I was going to be out, so I just quit on it. No, I'm going to keep fighting and battling for what I'm trying to build here until you tell me I'm done, because this is my quote-unquote dream job, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you
1: guys this question, but I'm pretty sure I know your answer. But Chip, if Mario Cristobal is not a Miami alum, does leaving Oregon for Miami make any sense in the world to you?
0: No. And uh, be deeper than Miami alum is grew up there. You know, mm-hmm. wasn't his assi- mom's assistant there. His mom's not doing well. Um Family connections. Was it brothers, a cop down there?
2: Brothers, a cop down there. Uh, mo- mom is in poor health. It's been reported by by multiple outlets. He's, you know, he's, he's from down there. Um, I, I think if he was not, if not for all those factors, obviously, like two of his good friends are uh, reported billionaires or soon-to-be billionaires. They went to Columbus High School together. Those are kind of the guys leading the charge. Uh, Limonis just, just pledged $3 million on Twitter yesterday. There's a report that Ruiz wants to build in a 50,000-seat on-campus stadium. Shout-out to uh, David Lake for that reporting there of Inside the U. He's the guy whose company is valued at $20 billion by Forbes. So uh, I think if you were not a Miami alum but you had those friends and your mom was in poor health, sure, uh, that makes sense. Like I don't know that you had to have played for Miami, but it's certainly – Impacts how he views the job, I would say. Also, Lincoln Riley's at USC. We said this before. He's had it on easy mode as far as recruiting. You had a cluster with USC unjustified sanctions and then Len Swan and then Pat Hayden as ADs. And they paid they paid Pat Hayden like Nick Saban style money or uh, uh, Clay Hilton Nick Saban style money and couldn't get rid of him for a long time. It allowed you to, to go in and raid California pretty effectively. And also Liz that party's over. over.
1: So we were talking about earlier in the show, Clemson might be, it looks more vulnerable right now than it has in a long time. So maybe. I know. I just think that in a vacuum, personally, I would much rather be at Oregon than Miami just because I know I have the full power of Nike behind me. So anything I ask for, I'm going to get.
0: I can still be selfishly excited about it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Because of like, whether they win or not, good for business. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, Miami gets hyped about uh, an Al Golden team that's overrated. A Manny Diaz team that's a little bit, you know, overrated. Can you imagine what the fan interest and the college football interest is going to be if it seems like there's a lot of real, as Bud mentioned, real financial support coming from the Miami community, and you're bringing in a relentless and dogged recruiter like Mario Cristobal? Uh, you know, we talk. You've mentioned Bud that uh, running the Saban playbook in the SEC seems a little bit crowded. You ain't. You ain't dealing with a bunch of saving playbooks when you're recruiting in the ACC, and I think that that's all of that is good for business and something that should be exciting.
2: Completely agree. It's really good for the ACC overall as well because when when they go and try to get ESPN to renegotiate or whatever they need to do to try to get more money out of that deal, which is really just gonna kill them long term if, if they don't get that thing fixed. it's good to have multiple programs that are actually like legitimate national brands. you know Miami, when it's good, is a national brand. Clemson, due to recent success when it's good, is kind of a national brand. I say kind of because they still don't draw that well on TV compared to what you think they would. Uh, it, it's more regional. You know, Florida State's obviously a national brand if they're good. North Carolina, kind of in that Clemson bucket, but I think you know, obviously the name appeal, especially because basketball has helped so much. Like they need Miami. Miami's. What they've been in the league now for eighteen years, and they've been to the conference title game one time mm-hmm. for, and lost it. Correct. Th- this is kind of what they need—an an infusion of cash and an, an infusion of excitement down there.
0: I want Larry, to. You mentioned.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. You, you mentioned the fifty thousand seat stadium. Where on Miami's campus are they going to fit a fifty thousand seat stadium? Uh, I guess there's a high school down there. They want to uh, tear like, down. They, yeah,
1: there's American high school
2: field. Not not a. Not <laughs>
1: well, I was going to say that's that's American in a nutshell. Tear down a school, build a stadium.
2: <laughs> I mean, um, who do you guys go get at the Oregon? Right, Chip. I, I, I didn't mean transition that fast. I was just thinking off the top of my head here because I saw all the Lane stuff in the chat. Joe
0: Brady. Don no, um, Canzano said that he believes that Chip Kelly, is good. Chip Kelly go will be a target and could be the target.
1: And then UCLA comes open. And then as we were goofing around with last night, Dave Aranda goes to UCLA. Yeah, so that I do think would happen. Yeah, because I, I really if, don't if think Dave Horanda's yeah, I don't think Dave Rand is leaving Baylor for a job on the East Coast. I think it's gotta be a Pac 12 gig in California closer to
0: home for him to do it. Um I do you think that the announcement of the extension for Lane Kiffin changes your perception of Lane Kiffin as a candidate for other jobs?
2: I saw this morning and I think it was in my like tweet deck, you know, news list. So I generally trust stuff it's on there that, that the buyout didn't change. So it might just be establishing the price of poker to, to, to get in the conversation with Lane. Here's the question, though. Like Lane was what, born in Minnesota. He didn't grow up his entire life in Florida, uh, but he does have some Florida ties. Obviously, his dad was a D.C. for the Bucks down here for a long time. Uh, I think it was pretty well known that he would want to get the Florida or Miami jobs just based on how many people in the media were like mentioning that. I mean, that, that doesn't happen by accident. If you're Oregon and this Crystal Ball thing goes down, that it that would now be two coaches in a row that you have lost to jobs that you feel are, you know, of similar caliber, but the coaching community is probably very mixed on that and probably doesn't agree with you if you're Oregon, but certainly there's the, the appeal of going back to Florida. Like, do you risk hiring another guy who might want to bolt for a job back in Florida or, or along the East Coast? Or do you want to go with somebody with more west coast ties? Or do you care? See, that's
1: kind of like what scares me about Lane, is that what's the longest Lane has stayed at any one job? hmm Which is why I would, if I'm an AD, that kind of, it's like, yeah, I think he's a good coach, but I don't really expect him to be here very long because I feel like he's somebody that's going to keep moving around until he lands that, you know, top elite job if he ever gets one. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that...
0: Three and a half seasons. That's your answer.
1: Yeah, just it's, I don't know. Uh... I think that's a good thing. I think that'll probably play a part in their decision making, but I don't know. Like I don't know if I would base my decision on that. Um, other names just quickly. Harson, Wilcox, Wilcox, I think, will definitely come up. I think Harson, it's funny because like every job that comes open, like there's been t- there's been reports thinking that Harson might be interested in the Colorado State job, which like okay, maybe he's not happy at Auburn, but that just seems like strange. What what happens if Auburn if their head coach leaves for Colorado State? I think they would probably be pretty happy if he leaves.
0: But who's in the who's out. on the Auburn list?
2: Well, uh, well, Auburn's got to get a new AD first. Yeah, they have an AD right now, but um, I, I'd be surprised if if that went down. I'd be surprised if their current AD makes the hire.
0: Because uh, I mean, Miami's out here trying to roll out an athletic. Like I think Miami would like to make an athletic director and head coach hire in the same day. Mm-hmm. Introduce them both. Look, who we got who introduces
1: the, con- the like who introduces them at the press conference and the president.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. And they come out and they say, "Do you know how serious we are about football? We've got Clemson's athletic director, and we got an Oregon's head coach." And like those, just two things written out say, okay, sounds like you're pretty serious about college football.
2: I think the billionaires introduced both.
1: I think Michael Irvin introduces both. And then on the just next episode of The
2: <laughs> Um, what about Satake
0: for, uh, for
2: Oregon. Oregon? I mean, they lost Wilson, they lost a bunch of really good players, they lost their OC to Baylor, and they didn't. I can't say they didn't miss a beat because they weren't quite as good this year as they were last year, but their drop-off is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Like, they did a hell of a job this year, in my opinion. I agree. Is Sataki – I'm not familiar enough with his recruiting because, obviously, recruiting is
1: a little different at BYU. Do you think that he would bring the kind of recruiting that Oregon's going to need? I think he could. Because that's the weird thing about, like, the Chip Kelly connection because why did Chip Kelly leave the college? Because the recruiting stuff, he wasn't really into it. He came back because he had to. And it's like, I feel like replacing Cristobal with Chip Kelly is like going in a completely opposite direction. So, like, Chip Kelly would have to bring in an excellent recruiting staff and then just be like, just let me run the damn offense.
0: Sataki might also be kind of digging in his heels. He's been there since 16.
1: I mean, BYU is not a bad place to be.
0: And, like, if you've gotten it, like, if you've gone through um what was it? He had a couple flirts with hot seat, like mm-hmm. 17, yeah. 18 people. Are like, I don't know. Is he going to be the guy for the job? But um, 21 wins in the last two seasons, 21 and three combined record in the last two seasons. And as you mentioned, after the loss of a star quarterback and several other NFL players, something that is uh, very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. And BYU's joining the Big 12. Why would you jump off that rocket ship right now? If I'm so so like Luke Fickle, the Notre Dame job is filled, you would think that he is a you know, one of the top candidates to take any kind of power five job, but yet I I don't think that Luke Fickle's going to Oregon. I don't think that Luke Fickle's gonna be taking in any of these other jobs, right? And stays at Cincinnati and then when Ryan Day goes to coach the Bears, he takes to Ohio State.
2: <laughs> okay. This is a lesson, by the way, of this cycle is the money is so good at these mid-tier jobs now that the coaches are able to be more patient. I mean, Cincinnati's coming up and they're, they're paying Luke, what, five something, mm-hmm. I think. You know, Napier was getting decent money from Louisiana. There's a lot of examples of this of guys who waited it out. I mean, it's risky because you could all of a sudden fall flat like Napier had to go. He had a bunch of 24 year old guys on his team this year. You know, like this, this was this was it. But, like, Napier didn't take Auburn last year or South Carolina or whoever it was the year before, but um, I forgot who it was the year before. You know, he waited out Florida, which is a better job than Auburn, in, in my opinion, and definitely in South Carolina. You know, Fickle, I mean, if Fickle agrees to things behind the scenes with, with, with the Irish, like, quickly, do you think he's the coach now or do you think they just they were so enamored with Freeman? I don't know.
0: I think that I liked the take that if you really thought Freeman was the guy and you were willing to take that bet, then you don't back out just because it happened sooner than you think than you mm-hmm. thought.
1: And also, do you wait around for a few weeks, knowing what Cincinnati's gonna, like? Fickle's not going to leave them during a playoff chase, and you're watching what happens at Oklahoma. Is every single recruit and everybody's transferring following Lincoln?
2: You want to stem that from happening too. Uh, also. Roy Manning has been removed from the Oklahoma coaching staff directory. That was uh, the coach uh-oh. who
1: was out there recruiting
2: with Bob Stoops. Well, at least he's now f-
1: can f- free to go recruit for USC.
0: Yeah, he was recruiting for two schools. So <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Danny joining the chat. Allegedly. Jack, jumping in one of those. Uh, I guess they're all new now, so I haven't, I haven't gotten to see them. But I know there's a
3: lot of those scary little temp offices on the sides of the studio. <laughs> I actually have one with my name on it, which kind of nice. In fact, they were giving me a hard time because they say I'm never here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's a waste of space. But I'm like, Do you hey, have a phone?
0: I'm gonna look up your phone number. Is oh, I have phone yeah, I have else? it'll
3: go to it'll go to voicemail that I haven't checked in three years. So you can leave <laughs> right. a message. All right, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've we've kinda uh
0: we've been taking it yeah, over to hit the, on everything, right? <laughs> yeah, we've taken it over to the coaching carousel side of things. Any anything big for you as we've got like nothing in place. But, you know, things are trending. Venables towards uh, Oklahoma. Things are trending. Uh, Mario sitting there with two options. You know, Manny Diaz is still recruiting for Miami because Miami doesn't want to fire him yet. A couple other pieces that could be falling into place. Clemson might have to replace not just one, but two coordinators. Uh, What's really standing out to you on the coaching front?
3: If the Oklahoma one feels to me more normal and it feels kind of like this was their plan, that it's been coming together for 45 days and Venables had to, you know, get things aligned and they're working on Jeff Levy coming with them. That feels to me like that was their first option all along. And it feels kind of, it again, it feels normal because the Miami thing just feels like a cluster. I mean, no athletic director. There was the rumors about uh, Radakovich coming from Clemson and then it wasn't true. And now it's, you know, I mean, Barry Jackson, Miami Herald just said, well, you know, they're waiting to make sure the Mario deal is done. It just feels not as clean, which doesn't mean it can't get done. It just, I think this is the direct result of not having an athletic director. That's probably why there's probably no one voice that's there. I mean, I got my Miami buddies texting me about the amount of money they're going to infuse in the program and how they're all excited. Get the deal done first, you know, because I'm sure that's probably what Mario is looking into trying to figure out who's in charge and or his agent is like who's in charge? What are we going to get this done? Where exactly is this money going? What what kind of resources am I going to have? So I think uh I think it just that's like the Miami one feels a little bit more up in the air. Where I do think I mean even Bob Stoops I think didn't he say on the show yesterday on the Big Noon Show didn't he say an, an announcement expected Monday like and now the word kind of feels like it's out already about Brent Venables like so. Right. I don't know. I don't trust the Miami one as much. Not to say it wouldn't get done, it just feels a little bit more discombobulated. Like you, you just know
0: too well that it could fall apart. You're just looking out there and you're like, I, it's not that I don't trust the sources who are saying that these are the efforts that are being made. What I hear you saying is, I don't trust the coordination. I don't trust, you know, everybody being able to have everything in line to actually bring this thing to the finish line.
3: Yeah. How about Coco with the news? Sam Pittman just hired Jimmy Sexton. What does that mean? Uh-oh. Um,
2: I means Jimmy is I, getting paid. Hey,
3: can yeah. we add the Joe Brady thing real
2: quick? Oh, yeah. I just for thought, sure. I just thought about this. Long time ago. Do you remember who uh, who Caleb Williams was committed to? No. It's USC, right? It was, it was LSU, wasn't well, it? Didn't he actually commit to LSU, or was that just kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing? I remember at one point he was definitely thought to be going to LSU, which means he would have been recruited by Joe Brady. This was back in like 2020.
1: Let me check, see if I could find it real
2: quick. I don't know if I I remember that there was something
1: with LSU, I think during his recruitment, but I don't know for sure. i trying to remember back in the day here. Um,
0: I know that he committed on CBS Sports HQ. HQ on like the 4th of July and they had like
3: fireworks for him.
1: All so I can see on the timeline is an unofficial visit in a school camp at LSU.
3: We got some commenters though in our chat room that say it was LSU. That can be our source. Those are our sources. I trust. They've them. never
1: lied to
2: us. We got good listeners. I remember like LSU was very involved, and that would have been the, the relationship would have begun when Joe Brady was recruiting him for LSU. So, are we sure it's Jeff Levy? Like obviously, that's no. the reports out there.
0: No, no, no. I don't. And Clemson I don't, is well, pretty damn close so, to
2: to, uh, to the Panthers. The
0: only thing that I've got funny. on the Levy thing is that it, it is believed that he is the first choice. Brent, like he is Brent Venables' first choice, but the Brent Venables hire by Oklahoma seems a little bit more, um, you know, moving in that direction. It's almost like leaking the levy is something that Oklahoma feels like it needs to do just like we're hiring a defensive coordinator but don't worry don't worry don't worry don't worry we're gonna get a good OC because that is the first thing it's what we say on the cover three podcast oh you're hiring a defensive coordinator first take who's his OC gonna be so I think that that's probably why you let the news out even if Jeff Levy doesn't end up being the guy he's a good enough name that an Oklahoma fan can at least feel calm.
3: Def, I mean he's there he's a guy he's an Oklahoma guy too like the history there does help. I do think that was the plan, but I do think there's some hold up there as far as what Ole Miss might be willing to pay. so there might be some negotiating take place. but if Joe Brady's entered the chat, which he has, I do think that makes things interesting and maybe you see this deal get done sooner rather than later mm. lots of pieces um, by the way okay. does does Brian Kelly call Joe Brady and say. Come on Heck back. Yes. I mean, yeah. is that going to be a done deal? I don't it think it's too obvious, deal. right?
0: But I mean, I I just, you know, to answer your question, does Brian Kelly pick up the phone? Yes. Without a doubt. And um,
2: oh, Sorry, Chip.
0: I was like, and I, and I wonder if Joe Brady in the back of his mind had maybe already checked out, because I don't know if y'all saw the Panthers against the Dolphins, but uh <laughs> well, it sure looked like the whole coaching staff had checked out of that game.
2: Really? You looked mean, like Christian McCaffrey checked out too? You mean on the Budsaw fantasy football team, who when I had the Dolphins defense, I did see that that awesome Carolina Panthers <laughs> offense. Uh, Link Kiffin's buyout did not change, by the way, according to Andy Slater, who's uh, a reporter. has he been a
3: guy. little hit or miss lately?
2: Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I'm
3: just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Byron, uh, I think, yeah. wasn't he the damn Radakovich right hire? I think he, I don't know, there was one in there. Do we still think that's going to get done? Like, have you guys heard any other names for that? I'm not no. on the AD hiring circuit <laughs> newsletter.
1: I haven't
2: checked. I'm on it AD for FSU.com yet. Just because the, you know, I mean that's like that's more important to you than <laughs> I, I just I've got I've got dudes there. I don't have dudes in every AD cycle, or actually most of them I don't. Um, he reported that Lane would would go to Miami if Miami offered a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Which could could still be true. Obviously, I think Cristobal would be would be a choice over Lane. Or it could have just been, "Hey Ole Miss, I want to raise." Yeah, that's very possible.
3: <laughs> yeah, or Andy could have been getting played. You know, I think if I think if Lane, I think if Lane was smart, I think he would bounce from Ole Miss. Bounce while you're ahead.
0: All right, LSU one, was like,
3: down. Auburn was down. Yeah. Texas A&M was down. Like, how long are they going to stay eight and four? Not forever. Like.
0: I think Lane's a really good fit. I think he makes sense there, though, yeah. You think it's a better fit than Miami? Yeah, because at Miami, there's almost the expectation of winning ACC championships. I think that Lane Kiffin can field a 9-3 and Ole Miss team for a long time, satisfy the fans, generate a lot of national interest, finish in the top 25, put a scare in the big dogs because of your offense, and be entertaining. I mean,
1: it was I, working for Hugh Freeze very
2: well until he started using the school's phone.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> um, do you, two coordinator hires I want to hit on, if we can, yeah, real quickly. Georgia Tech has hired Chip Long, the Tulane OC. I like it. Tulane's offense was a hell of a lot, lot better than his defense, and if, uh, if he's going to yeah. save his job there. But Chip Long was replaced at Notre
1: Dame by Tommy Reese, and he replaced Will Hall at Tulane after Will Hall left
2: for the Southern Miss episode. And Tulane's offense kind of dropped off a little bit this year. It did. I, I guess the only other reason I like this is because it is a similar situation where a lot of the guys on the roster still have the whole, like, option principles or were at mm-hmm. least initially recruited to do that. So Tulane had the same kind of deal, being that, you know, who, who was there. The other one is... uh West Kentucky's OC bounced to Texas Tech, and it looks like uh, Quinn Ewers going to take a visit down to Texas Tech. You put Ooh. Quinn Ewers in that system?
3: Oh, I was going like to say they could that, win the Big Twelve.
0: That's that would be the just new Big, a, 12. The Big Twelve. The new Big Twelve,
3: yeah. The yeah. New Big Twelve or the Oklahoma-Texas still there? Big Twelve? Well, the new Big Twelve.
1: Yeah. If Texas? you're Texas and Ewers chooses Texas Tech over you.
0: Fireable offense, feel? yeah. Fireable offense. Um, I was gonna say, like, you, but since this is kind of like a scattershot portion, we're an hour into this thing. Uh, if you're just tuning in, Alabama's one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We were just talking about the rating, <laughs> Cincinnati's number four. But if you were to set odds, if you were to have hunches, like, how what do you think is going to happen with Quinn Ewers?
2: I it's hard for me to think he doesn't go to Texas, but Texas Tech is possible. By the way, betting stuff, uh, Bama is going to go over 14, it looks like. And uh, Georgia is already out to eight. Uh, big split in the difference in where... Uh,
0: you want it up, right? You're trying to wait to get Michigan. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, I would like Michigan in like a 10 or something. Um, Whoa. You know, if, if it, but I don't think it'll get there. If it does, I, I, I will take it. Uh, Utah actually opened uh, 10. Uh, and it lasted for like 15 seconds. I don't know if you guys saw there, or not, but now it's down to seven and a half. I would expect a lot of Ohio State opt-outs in that game.
0: Danny is so giddy to take Michigan on the money line ahead of the Orange Bowl and then show up to the stadium in maize and blue and just stand in front of the Georgia section with his arms out.
3: Um, I'm going to need some some security down in Miami (laughs) walking around. ESPN was really good about the security. HQ not so much. You're kind of on your own.
0: (laughs) Hey, battle tested. That's what we do. Best best thing you've got is like uh, I don't know man. Dane's pretty good security. You know? Dane will throw somebody out of a shot.
3: Yeah, in his true religion genes. He's going to throw them out. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a DM I got at 2.53 a.m. last night. You must be effing blind, you effing. <laughs> do you watch college football? Obviously not, you biased bleep. Georgia doesn't deserve a spot. F you, bleep. Go choke on some bleep with that mouthful of bleepity bleep. I said, <laughs> I just reply. I do reply to the open DMs. I see you're handling that ass whooping really well. <laughs> well, First of all, I
1: meant to text that to you,
0: not DM it. But second. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and did you do it at like 6.30 too? Like when you yeah, woke maybe up? Maybe like,
3: four. because he's going to bed. I'm waking up to get my flight to come back for this. When I'm a little bit delirious, this is why I put out a potential bracket with two first round buys with 12 teams, leaving an odd number of remaining teams
1: yeah i received i received quite a few angry dms from alabama fans they're not really angry dms but like oh i thought georgia was gonna beat the shit out of them ha, ha, ha. like that kind of stuff it's like yeah i was wrong bro what do you the want later the
3: good? night the later the night the more alcohol the the dicier they get mm-hmm. no
0: doubt you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott 3 You can follow him at Tom Fernella. You can follow him at Danny Canelo. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back with you on Monday afternoon for a pun for the review where we will update you on the latest from the coaching carousel and point your attention, attention to the very best bowl matchups. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. the, Athletics at newbalance.com.